Hello, my Rebels. Very special show for you today. I was going to do it about a whole bunch of things, but then I had an interview with our reporter, Kean Bexty from Smithers, B.C. That's up there at an illegal Aboriginal protest, but it's not actually an Aboriginal protest. It's a fake First Nation that's trying to stop a gas pipeline that's supported by all the First Nations in the regions. Well, enough from me. Here's Kean, and I'll let him tell you about what he saw and heard. But before I do, let me just invite you to become a premium subscriber. you got to see the video that accompanies the show. And, of course, this podcast is just the audio of my video show. You can get the video by being a premium member. Go to premium.rebelnews.com, and it's 8 bucks a month. You get my show, Sheila Gunn Reed's show, David Menzies' show. And uh, it's a way of supporting us, including getting us up to places like Smithers. Okay, here's the podcast. Tonight, Rebel News sends a reporter up north in BC to an illegal Aboriginal blockade. We'll show you what no one else will. It's January 15th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Well, we do a lot of commentary here at The Rebel, but I think our great strength is that we go out into the world to do on-the-spot news reporting. And one of the best is our friend Kean Bexty. He's all over the country, and indeed, even the world, as you might recall, last year we even sent him to Hong Kong to cover the democracy protests. And we sent him with Sheila Gunn-Reed to Madrid, Spain, to cover the UN Global Warming Conference. Well, we sent him on a special mission over Christmas time while you and I were enjoying some tie off. Kian was working. I'm not quite ready to give you the details on that yet. It's a surprise, but I think you're going to love it. But over the last two days, we've had Kian go to British Columbia. He started in Burnaby, B.C. at the criminal trial of Jonathan, a.k.a. Jessica Yaniv, the transgender extremist who would go from aesthetician to aesthetician demanding that women who do intimate waxings for other women wax his male gear. Well, he's on trial in Burnaby for brandishing an illegal weapon, a taser. Our Kean Bexley has been covering the story, and when he went there yesterday, he had a simple question for Yaniv. Are you going to plead guilty? It's not a very hard question. You could say yes, you could say no, you could ignore the lad, but at a trial about his criminality, well, Yaniv committed, in my view at least, what looks like another crime. Take a look at this. Yaniv, will you, will you be pleading guilty? What? No, don't touch me. Don't touch me. Stop! Go away from me! Go away! Fucking hell! Go away from me! Jesus, get away from me! Go away! Crazy! Get away from me! Get away! Get the away from me! Stay away from me! Get away from me! Now! Right now! You heard me? I'm calling the police on you. I don't give a shit! Get away from me! You stay away from me! I'm back! Isn't that incredible? It brings back terrible memories of when our David Menzies was also out in Burnaby asking similar journalistic questions 
of Yaniv, and Yaniv attacked him, this time with a weapon, a cane. Jonathan, why do you think, why do you send sexually explicit messages to young girls? Go away. You're going to jail. Go away. My iPad. Go away now. Huh? Go away. I'm a provoker. Hey, hey, you hey. Go away. No, no, get away from me. That's okay. Please, I, I'm really hoping for the cops no, no, to come. No, no, no. Go away. It's one thing to attack David Menzies with a cane outside in a condo building, but to attack Archie and Bexie outside a courthouse when you are on trial for having a prohibited weapon, it tells me that Jonathan Yaniv will not stop until the law tells him to stop until he's convicted of these crimes. I would guess that he would demand to be sent to a women's prison, and I have no doubt that he would be allowed in a women's prison. But after Kean had that excitement in Burnaby, and I'll talk to you in the days ahead about what will legally come from that. I'm not quite ready to announce what we're doing for Kean yet in terms of the assault against him. We sent Kean up to Smithers, B.C. That's a bit of a journey. Take a look at it on the map. It's in the north of B.C. where the resources are forestry, oil and gas, and a proposed $40 billion pipeline and LNG project that would take natural gas that's fracked in B.C., put it in a pipe, a $6 billion pipe, Send that to Kitimat where it would be put on liquefied natural gas tankers and shipped to customers likely in Asia. It's a great project economically and for those people who are worried about environmental matters, and I suppose we all are to a degree, um, you know, natural gas, it doesn't spill, it doesn't dirty up a coastline if there's a tanker accident. In fact, there's never uh, been a significant accident. There's never been a breach of one of those LNG tankers ever. And if there was, well, the gas would just go into the air. There's really nothing to argue against this pipeline for if you're arguing in good faith. And so it is, as you know, that all 20 out of 20 Indian bands along the route of this pipeline have signed on to it. Not just their approval, but they want to be a part of it. Mainly the construction project, which will have hundreds of jobs for these Aboriginal communities, as well as other uh, benefit agreements, cultural agreements, other spending on these bands. They all wanted, especially the entrepreneurial Indian members of these bands who are welders, who would clear the bush or survey, or even just provide catering and lodgings for the rest of them. Well, as you know, over Christmas, a BC court issued a restraining order telling the few ragamuffins that were blocking this pipeline to get out and importantly, ordering the RCMP to remove them. It's one thing to tell the lawbreakers to get out, but to order the police to enforce the order, that's quite something. Well, unfortunately, and not surprisingly, the police just have not been enforcing the court order. Well, that sounds like a case for Kean. So when he was done, his interactions in Burnaby, we put him on a plane up to Smithers, where he met up with a special security guard that we retained just for the purpose, not, not some ordinary mall cop, let me tell you. In fact, I can disclose to you that the cost of the security was higher than even sending Kean up to Smithers itself. But I'm glad we did. Earlier today, I 
talk to Kian via Skype from his hotel room in Smithers. It's so cold up there, the airplane that was going to fly out literally could not take off. So he was stranded there a little bit longer than he wanted to be. But I sat down with him and had this conversation that I thought was so interesting, I was going to turn it into my whole show today. Uh, let me encourage you to stick around for the whole 25-minute interview. And if you think that this is important journalism, and I do, if you agree with me that it is, please consider chipping in. Between the cost of the bodyguard, Kean's flight, hotel, and other costs, it costs us close to $3,000 to get the lad up to Smithers. Watch this interview, and if you think it was important, go to fakefirstnation.com. That's what we're calling these fake protesters. Anyways, here's my interview with Kean. Welcome back. Well, we have a world traveler in the Rebel. His name is Kian Bextie. He's been to places as far afield as Hong Kong and Madrid. Today he is in a town called Smithers, British Columbia, and it is cold there. He joins us from the warmth of his hotel room. It's too cold outside. Kian, how you doing out there? I'm very cold. <laughs> you know what? The whole country is cold, so uh, you have our commiserations. Um, we like to film you out on the scene when you were in Hong Kong, when you were in Madrid, and you were definitely out on the scene up to your knees in snow in Smithers. Here, let's play a clip of how some of that went down. In a white pickup down by, closer down by the highway. What were that, that I don't know whether they're doing a log, a log sort yard there on the side of the road or whatever. Okay, it's, it's quarter after 12 now, you know what? Could I just pop out, grab some footage? The her there was no hereditary. Would they meet us up there? Okay, so with they're going to be are they going to be down at twenty seven? Like I said, we just came yeah. through there. There's nobody there, but RCMP, yeah, well, three we'll RCMP do cars. Some, do some investigating, and I'm sure you'll you'll come across them. Oh, okay. Yeah. okay. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Could I could I ask one question before we go? Um, you guys are using tires and gasoline. Do you, is that hypocritical at all, given that you want to stop a pipeline? No. All right. All right. Well, All right. thanks for your time. Just wait. Just wait here. Well, that wasn't very friendly. Keen, you can be a pretty friendly guy, but they weren't having any of it. I've been to Smithers and Terrace and other good places like that. I think they're pretty uh, welcoming. Um, I have a theory, Keen, that you weren't dealing with real folks from Smithers. Uh, I happen to know 
that the pipeline they're protesting, the Coastal Gas Link, it's a $6 billion natural gas pipeline, part of a $40 billion LNG fracking. I mean, it's the biggest project in Canada. I happen to know that all 20 out of 20 Indian bands along the route of the pipe not just want it, but have signed contracts to work on it, have filed affidavits in court to kick out those ragamuffins blocking it. So I know that those protesters don't speak for folks in the region. What it, w tell me what else you saw and what you learned when you were up there, because not a lot of real journalists have gone there. Yeah, so we were the second journalist on the scene. The RCMP just started, um, just created this process to allow journalists through. They, uh, we, we approached the RCMP block uh, checkpoint, um, which was at kilometer 27 of the road. And once we met with them, we showed them our journalism badges that we have at the Rebel, and we showed them our ID, and we showed them what our purpose was going there. Then they called that up to what they called their Silver Command, and then their Silver Command decided whether or not we would be allowed through. And they graciously allowed us uh, to go through and speak one-on-one -on -one with these protesters and again yeah we were the second in the entire country to be allowed past this rcmp checkpoint which i thought was pretty cool once we got to the checkpoint though we were a little bit disappointed um, and my security detail was very antsy he didn't want me to get out of the car and right when things looked like they were heading south he kind of hightailed it out of there he was driving the truck so i was at his uh, beck and call i i, I uh, at his whims i, I would have rather to stay maybe he wasn't having any of it. What I did find, though, and what was really interesting, is that these protesters are using uh, widow, two, two deadly tools to uh, to dissuade people from coming forward. And it's something called a Widowmaker and something called a Tire Bomb. Tire Bomb is pretty self-explanatory. It's tire filled with gasoline-soaked rags to, uh, to be lit on fire when they need it. And the Widowmakers are trees that are sawn halfway through that can be tipped over with just a gust of wind uh, at an unsuspecting police officer who is patrolling the area or even a journalist or a car, uh, who knows? Um, they're, they're hidden and it's a tactic that they're using to scare and intimidate uh, police and it is possibly lethal. My security detail, he was ex-RCMP, ex-military and he knows these Widowmakers well and he was very scared of them driving very slowly through the bush, um, peering at tree bottoms to make sure that one wasn't going to fall on us as we approached the encampment. What was very interesting on top of all of that was when we reached the encampment and spoke to them uh it wasn't really who i thought it would be there was two white guys one white guy was taking a picture of the vehicle from 360 degree 360 degrees with a really really nice camera um, and then he hightailed it back to the hut where i imagine they uploaded those facial images to wherever their hidden headquarters are and another white guy was acting sort of as security to the one indigenous spokesperson who was there. And once that indigenous spokesperson sort of whispered in his ear, they determined they weren't going to speak to us. I was pretending to be an independent journalist who was going to sell this story. I was going to auction it off because I knew that they wouldn't talk to me as a rebel news journalist. Um, I, I knew that since I exposed the wet sweat in First Nation society, as a fake First Nation, they would know who I was, and since there was no internet connection out there to verify, I figured it would be uh, more beneficial to act independent. Anyways, they didn't want to talk to me, and it was run by this white guy, 
seemed like he was running the show and I didn't understand it. This white guy was actually from Kenora, Ontario, from what we understand. We're going to dig more into him. And your hypothesis, Ezra, was right. The people running the show there aren't actually the the Indian tribal bands that are there. Uh, it's people from across Canada that are orchestrating this very small uh, blockade that is blockading a lifeline to the rest of the country. A, a, a huge project that if it doesn't go through, which it will, court has ordered it to go through, it's just a matter of time. If it doesn't go through, Alberta would, would be really... Um, left out in the cold, no pun intended. I think most of that gas is BC gas, because of course, northern BC, there's a lot of fracking, lots of natural gas. Um, but but it would be a symbol that you can't, like, you, if you can't even make a gas pipeline, and the thing is natural gas, it doesn't spill. You know, you don't have a natural gas spill, so they can't have any of those objections. Natural gas is a low carbon fuel compared to its competitors coal or oil. So there's no legitimate objection to natural gas other than these people just want to stop industry. Um, probably at the behest of Canada's competitors overseas. Uh, I mean, if they have uh, operatives based, white operatives based in other provinces that are running these Aboriginal actors, who knows who's pulling the strings behind them? Now you said something, and I just want to emphasize this for our viewers. Um, we knew, we know this is dangerous. We knew it was dangerous. And so we hired a very senior, not, not like a mall cop, but as you say, former RCMP, former military, a guy who knows his way around. And when you say he was antsy about things, I mean, my, my journalistic curiosity says, oh, shoot, I wish he didn't pull you out of there. I wish we went a, a little deeper to get more footage. That's easy to say when you didn't have the violence against you. His instincts to leave, although you may have objected to them, could possibly have saved, maybe not your life, but your limb, especially if they're boastfully deploying harmful and malicious traps. I think that's illegal in itself, by the way. If they're bragging about widow makers and tire bombs or whatever they're called, I, I, I don't know the criminal code inside out, but that's surely got to be a crime on top of their other trespassing offenses and their violations of of the court orders against them. I'm, I, I think you were in a very dangerous place there, uh, and I'm glad we had security for you. And by the way, I want to invite our viewers to help chip in to cover the security. I'm not going to, well, I will say, okay, I'll say how much the security cost for security to come to Smithers and drive you in and take care of your safety for the day was $1,500. And yeah. uh, I'm not ashamed to say that we spent that much because God forbid we didn't, something bad would have happened. If people want to chip in, they could go to fakefirstnations.com because that's what we believe these people are, fakefirstnations.com. Let me ask you, Kian, why aren't police moving in to take these bad guys out? Well, be, be, I, it's, they're, they're trying to juggle a lot, Ezra, and these, these officers, I have the highest respect for these RCMP officers out here in the minus 40 weather sitting in a place with very little cell reception and if any at all and you know what was interesting when i left the area when i left the exclusion zone they called it they didn't have any questions outside of are you able to advise us if anyone needed uh medical attention 
And we told them not not to our knowledge. Everyone seemed to be in good health. And they said, okay, thank you. Uh, and then we signed out and then we drove away. Their number one priority is making sure everyone is safe, not just their own officers, but also the the blockaders, the people acting illegally against a court injunction, even when they are putting dozens of lives at risk out there. Um, they're, they're, the RCMP are still concerned about their safety. So um, I, I, um, I was surprised that, that that I was surprised that the RCMP were so gracious about it all. Um, and and I certainly learned a lot. Well, listen, I'm glad to hear you speak so well of not only our own security guy who was ex-RCMP, but the RCMP you encountered at the checkpoint. That's great. It's better that we get along with police than what's happened to David Menzies lately, where Toronto police and York Region police physically rough him up. So your friendliness is the better of the two alternatives. But I am still curious because... Uh, a, a court in British Columbia has ordered those protesters out of the way yeah. and also ordered the police to effect the first order. So it's not just that they're ordering private citizens, they're ordering the cops to do it. And I find this a diminution of the rule of law. And if those weren't, and, and as you point out, they're not even representative of the local Indian bands. In some cases, they're white activists from out of province. If this were some, I'm just going to make something up, some Ku Klux Klan alt-right putting up crosses and burning them thing yeah. with tire bombs and widow makers, I can assure you the uh, RCMP tactical division would be going in there and extracting them through force. I find it troubling that despite a court order and the breach of the criminal code and the civil law, the RCMP are still letting them just do what they want against the law, blocking the $6 billion pipeline. Yeah, so I'll answer your question, Ezra. I, what, what I'm trying to get at is the people on the ground, the RCMP officers on the ground, um, I, I hold them in high regard because they're risking them, their, their, their own safety to, to protect these people. I What I understand is that it's all being controlled from uh, Silver Command or if not higher. Um, these RCMP officers, maybe they they would like to just go in and sort this out right away, make the, get the arrests out of the way. Um, but I think the, the higher levels of the RCMP are concerned about optics. At the end of the day, these are people who have branded themselves very well. They have the sympathy of the United Nations. They have the sympathy in the ear of Amnesty International. Amnesty International was actually tweeting about this just yesterday. Um, when when the world is watching these people and they've created this facade of who they really are and, and what merits they, and rights they have to this land, completely fictitiously, of course, that's uh, an international eye that is being put on these um, low-level RCMP officers who are being controlled by people, uh, you know, three levels above their pay grade. Yeah. Um, so it's, I, I, just like you, I'm sure, I, I, I think that they should just, you know, go in and, and sort this out. I think it would be relatively easy, no casualties whatsoever, but uh, it's being controlled by people above their pay grade. And I don't know why the RCMP, the upper levels of the RCMP is, are so cowardly about this and why they won't just get this sorted out because you're you're right there's a double standard if this was anyone other than people who have really branded themselves very well as indigenous honest to god actors 
um, they would be storming the gates and, and making those arrests. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of questions about the political stripe of the RCMP. Uh, Justin Trudeau appointed the new RCMP commissioner, and I don't know if you saw this image uh, at Canada Day. So Trudeau was under investigation, allegedly, uh, for corrupting the SNC-Lavalin prosecution, and Trudeau literally goes up to the head of the RCMP and gives her a big chest-to-chest -chest hug. It's so bizarre, it's Trudeau's creepy handsiness. But, yeah. I mean, I, I think that the RCMP is losing its iconic uh, standard of being fair. I mean, it was, it was the RCMP's conduct in the Yukon and other places that earned it its reputation for fairness. Um, let me ask you about one more thing. You said that other media, one other media outlet was there. I've been reading a lot of media about uh, this... Um, these fake First Nations, as you so aptly call them. And most of the stories either omit the fact that the actual local Indian bands love this pipeline, they're going to work on this pipeline, they want this pipeline. They either ignore that, or I read a CBC story um, just today that buried that in the 22nd paragraph down in the story. Like you had to read this whole yeah. massive story before they said, oh, <laughs> by the way, um, all the actual Indians here support this pipeline, uh, just these ragamuffins don't. How did you interact at all <clears throat> with the other media that was there? And by the way, who was it? Uh, it was Global News, um, someone who's been on the ground uh, and has the ear of the protesters. She was very uh, nice to myself and my security. We had a, a chat on the side of the road after we left the exclusion zone. Uh, we just sort of talked about what was going on, how... Um, the RCMP are inevitably going to have to go in eventually. This is sort of an inevitable thing. Uh, but but her, uh, Sarah McDonald, I believe, is her name. Um, she's much she's much closer to the to the. She has she's in the better graces of of the blockaders. I'll put it that way. She was able to talk to them and actually stay there and speak with them uh, long term, rather than me just being able to uh, ask a few questions through a truck window. Once everyone sees the video, they'll see I wasn't even allowed to leave my truck. I asked if I could step out and grab some footage. And although I, I'm sure it was within my rights to do so, uh, it is crown land held in right for Queen Elizabeth II. It's not their land. Um, it's not even reserve land. Um, they wouldn't let me. They said, no, you you must stay in your car. And we had no idea if they had any weaponry on them. So we uh, we uh, listened to them. But Sarah McDonald, the global news reporter, you know, she has much, much closer footage, footage of them putting, uh, setting up these nice bonfires to stay warm and toasty. It's very, very nice footage. Um, so it was nice, at least that us being the second journalist in the entire country to be able to be there, we were able to provide in this coverage, the other side of the story already. Uh, I'm, Sarah is nice, nice enough, but uh, Global News isn't sharing the side of the story that we are. That the 20 under 21st Nation bans, legal bans, have actually signed off on that. Uh, we have all of their contracts. I've read through them all, uh, and they're all enthusiastically supporting this because uh, the jobs and the money that are coming their way. They know that they need to, uh, they, they, they need to, uh, well, they want to accept these jobs and this cash so that they can have sustainable communities uh, when, when times are tough. And, and the chiefs of the wet sweat and First Nation, the real chiefs, the elected chiefs, uh, and all the other First Nations have, have been very vocal in their support of this. So I'm, I'm, I'm honored to be able to share their side of the story. Well, <clears throat> um, 
I remark on the fact that Rebel News is the only media outlet that I'm aware of that is banned from attending the United Nations Global Warming Conferences. Now, that doesn't stop us. We just have to be a little bit more clever how we get in. Um, it, it's an irritant to me. We overcome it. It's a challenge we overcome. But it's also a um, feather in our cap as independent journalists. Um, someone once said uh, journalism is uncovering something that someone doesn't want you to say. Otherwise, it's PR, right? So the fact yeah. that the UN keeps us at their conferences is proof that we're re reporting something that they want hidden. I would apply the same thing here. <clears throat> if Sarah McDonald, and I'm sure she's a very nice lady, if she is permitted by these unlawful thugs who are making weapons and threatening you to the point that your senior ex-RCMP security is worried, if Sarah McDonald is allowed to walk about, and I, by the way, I, t I take it she didn't have a big burly security guard with her, or did she? She had a cameraman. A cameraman. Okay, so she didn't have a security guard. So the fact that Global News can send a woman um, who, who would physically be quite vulnerable to a physical attack, Global News knows they can send a woman to a violent area and she'll be fine. She'll be given a tour by the local thugs precisely for the reason that you were not. Because as you outlined, because you're critical of them, they imply or threaten violence. That's why you have to stay in the vehicle. That is extortion. That is a form of assault. Assault is when you feel an imminent risk of force being applied against you. And that in itself shows you can't trust a word Global says, because even if Sarah McDonald is not lying, she's not telling the full truth because she can't. If she were to say some of the things that you said, she wouldn't be allowed out anymore. She'd be beaten up. Yeah. I'm very upset with this story. How do you think it's going to end? I mean, it, it's, it is inevitable. The rule of law, I don't think yet, is completely broken uh, in Canada. I think that the RCMP will move in when it's uh, once they've done all of their recon work and they've figured out exactly where these widowmakers are and they've ensured the highest level of safety can be attained. I, I mean, this is maybe it's too pie in the sky. I think that that's how it will work. And I think there will be no casualties at all well, when it happens. You but know what, Keen, I'm a little bit older than you. So I'm not just talking about Oka, but I know all the ranches in BC, those huge ranches where they had armed standoffs. And those were by actual Indians uh, with firearms. Um, these are, and, and if the police wouldn't step in there in many of those cases, um, I don't know. I think the police, especially in BC, especially when you blend Aboriginal issues and eco issues, I think you're right. I think it's higher than the Silver Command. I think it goes right up to Ottawa. I think it goes right up to Brenda Lucky. I think it goes right up to Justin Trudeau and right up to the Premier of BC. I think they are the ones who are saying, don't evict. In fact, if the courts and the regulators permit the pipelines, and you're Justin Trudeau and you hate pipelines, and you're John Horgan and you hate pipelines, what better way to stop it than let these thugs threaten you and you say, oh, well, we can't, we can't do anything because we'd risk a riot. I think, I think that um, th these are political decisions and I fear 
that you will not see this pipeline done, you will not see Trans Mountain done. They're giving in to, I'll call them eco-terrorists. You can't build something called the Widowmaker uh, designed to hurt people and not call yourself a terrorist. Last word to you, Kian. I think you're right. And I'll, I'll add one thing to this. I, I think that I'm, people will see the video uh, when it when it comes out, if, if it's not out already by the time this airs. But I wouldn't call these people the most prepared uh, people in the bush. We drove right by them. Um, we drove right up to the blockade and, and we saw them panic when we appeared. Um, they were completely unprepared for even a journalist to show up. Um, they were freaking out when we showed up, running, trying to gather their things to come towards our vehicle um, as we approached the blockade because we didn't even realize that that the encampment that they set up was indeed the blockade. Um, so I don't think these people are the most prepared in the bush. I don't think they're the brightest in the bush. Um, but your assessment of them being eco-terrorists, I was, I, I didn't call them that in my video yesterday because I, I know I, I, I didn't want to overstep my bounds. But um, you're right. When people are putting widowmakers up, they're called widowmakers for a reason to intimidate and threaten and perhaps even kill uh, um, a member of the RCMP or even a journalist like myself to uh, further their political cause. Uh, if that's not eco-terrorism, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what is. Yeah. So I appreciate everyone tuning into this and, and, and our video, and I'll urge them to go to Fake First Nation, singular, fakefirstnation.com, and pitch in a few bucks to help uh, my security because, frankly, uh, it's not just it, it's it's not just the security, the $1,500 security. It's the flight out here. It's the hotel that I'm sitting in right now. Uh, a lot of work goes into getting these videos out, and I think they're worthwhile, and hopefully uh, people agree. Yeah, well, I certainly think it's money well spent I, <laughs> because this is one of the stories that you can't report unless you're there, unless you're there. And the fact that you were only the one of two journalists to get there, I'm very proud that Rebel sent you there. We spent $1,500 on your security, and I'm glad we did. And I'm glad he pulled you out when he did because I would not want to, you know, I mean, I would not want the alternative. We flew you out there, the hotels. I think altogether the total cost of your trip to BC is probably going to be close to $3,000 once everything's added up. And we do need the help. That's a lot of money to spend for a couple of videos. As people know, YouTube does not monetize most of our videos. We might make $50 in YouTube ads. So folks can chip in at fakefirstnation.com. I'd be grateful. Kian, I'm glad you're okay. Great reporting. If you can do some streeters, uh, which is talking to regular folks on the street. I know it's cold out there. I'd like to get what they think of these ragamuffins up there. I bet they don't like it. I bet they don't like these yeah. out-of-town troublemakers coming in to mess things up. I bet they don't like all the, all the delays in their, in their work. My guess is you're right, and I'll certainly uh, I'll certainly try to do that. My flight was canceled, actually, Ezra. It was so cold out here, hmm. uh, the plane couldn't leave the tarmac. So hopefully it warms up by uh, the evening the afternoon and I can get out of here but in the meantime uh, that's absolutely what I will what I will do maybe I can find a bar where I can speak to people a bar that's school. right you can stay warm you can have a shot of brandy or something and then you can go <laughs> around and interview people isn't that crazy that the plane was there but it was just too cold to take off I believe it well um, and I'm glad those those uh, protesters are enjoying a little bit of uh, the northern BC winter thanks Kean. I really enjoyed this talk it went longer than I thought but um, I, I really think this is important journalism that if we weren't doing it, no one else would. So keep it up out there. Thanks, Ezra. All right, there you have it. Kean Bexty, our roving reporter, joining us from Smithers, B.C. It's a bit of a journey to get to Smithers. And, of course, we had to 
get uh, his security up there too, and I'm so glad we did. Wouldn't you agree with me on that? Stay with us, more ahead. Well, that's our show for today. What do you think? I, I tell you, I only meant to talk to Kean for about five or 10 minutes, but it was so interesting. And I tell you, I'm here in our office and I have to be because there's all sorts of things going on. I got a lot of obligations other than just doing my show, but oh boy, do I wish I was out there in Smithers. Do I wish I was there at that moment to be one of only two journalists up there. And of course the global news journalist, I'm sure she's a very nice lady, but the fact that she's going to meet these eco-terrorists without a bodyguard, tells me what you also know, which is they regard her as an ally. They would never touch a hair on her head. Whereas we need to hire serious security because, of course, they would rip us to pieces if they could. If you believe in that project, go to fakefirstnation.com. We think that's what's going on up there. We think it's actually controlled by environmental groups and run by, frankly, white folks, not Aboriginal folks. All right, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, good night and keep fighting for freedom.